There's a common belief that God is the great being seated on the throne high above in heaven who reigns on the earth and punishing those who transgress and rewarding those who do good. This could lead to people who rebel against this God for the mere reason that they believe he is the one responsible for the deaths of a loved one, perhaps rape, molestation or other atrocities. Religious leaders were supposed to introduce his heart to the people. But the word of God says, For I have no delight in the death of him who dies, says the Lord Jehovah. Therefore, turn and live, says Ezekiel 18.32. So people were mistakenly taught that God allows evil and hardship. God is implicated as the one doing or condoning these terrible deeds. How can I seek comfort? with the one who took my beloved away from me. If I believe that God is the one who reigns on the earth, I will blame him for all the wrong in my life. It is a terrible place to be spiritually in if the God that you trust to deliver you is also the God who you believe is responsible for your calamity. Brunton investigates an invited Dominic Bram Klopper, a well-known speaker here on Radio Pulpit, and also Lorenza de Kock. To our respondents, a very good morning to you, and welcome, Lorenza, warm welcome to you, and welcome to Radio Pulpit. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vainant. Can I start by asking, is God still actively in charge of events in South Africa, and indeed in the world? Lorenza, what is your take on it? I think God is an almighty God, but He loves us. The main identity of our God is that He loves us. And His first need is to have a relationship with each of us. He wants us to know that He's the Emmanuel God, the God that's with us every step of the way. And if we actually start understanding that He's also the bigger picture God, God is always a bigger picture and it's got bigger picture stories. So if we go through difficult times in our lives, we just need to know that he's there. We need to find him in everything. Well, Brown, she calls God, God Emmanuel, God of the Bible, the God who is with us. What would you say then? Meaning with us, does it mean that he's actively in charge of events in South Africa, in the world? What would you say? Uh, it's a difficult concept to describe God as in charge. Um, or reigning, you know, some people understand in charge as the one who causes everything. Um, and I do not believe that God causes everything. Simple metaphor, is a principal, a headmaster of a school, is he in charge whenever some of the pupils might use drugs or do other things that are wrong and, uh, you know, bend the rules, etc. Et that principal is still in charge of that school, uh, but he did not cause those members of the school, to do difficult and wrong things. So God gives us freedom. He has a will. His will is described in the Bible, and it's a very good will for everyone. But we as people have the opportunities and ability to transgress God's laws and His will. And from that will come pain and suffering and even death. And we can't use or misuse that freedom. Then turn around and blame it on God. Very interesting. Uh, we find a timeline in the Bible, 400 years, 400 years, where God was actually not involved in people's lives, not involved on the earth. 
just before the New Testament. How do we know for sure now, in this modern day and age, God is actively in charge in this world, Lorenzo? I think we can experience God in different ways. I think if you read in Romans 8 verse 14, he says we have to be led by the Holy Spirit and we need to obey what the Lord puts in people's hearts. And I've got a friend, she lost her husband, and if I look back and I see the situation, God used so many situations, people helping her, supporting her, bringing food, giving her comfort, stay with her during night, sleep with her, comforting her. God uses people to support each other, but we have a choice. We can either focus on the traumatic things that happened to us in that situation, or we can start looking for God in the situation. And that is through different support things, like as I've named it just now. And it just reminds me also about Romans 8, where they list in the Amplified, there's 17 things that cannot separate us from God. And it's a long list of stuff that can happen to us, but that doesn't mean God separates himself. He's in it with us, through it. And sometimes we must just put our eyes off the situation and search him in everything, and we will find him in all of it. Bram, a very interesting metaphor that you used, God in charge, however, is not to blame, like the principal, if the students are using drugs. So who's the author then of calamity and heartache in our lives? Well, the easy answer is obviously the evil and the devil. But you know, I'd like not to take that route as everyone does in the first place, because human beings have a freedom of choice. And actually, if you really go and look at the suffering uh, caused in life, most of it can be taken back absolutely to people not taking responsibility or misusing their freedom. I mean, if you take uh, motor car accidents, how many accidents on a percentage base are really accidents? Most accidents are caused by someone who drove too fast or under the influence or overtook uh, where it was not safe to do that. So I'd like to, to, to always pinpoint human beings as misusing their God-given freedom in the first place. One might say, but God allowed that. He Absolutely. is God. Yes. There's the old argument, if he's God, can he make a rock big enough not to pick it up then? Mm-hmm. So the question remains then, how do I seek comfort from the very one that took my beloved away from me, or allowed my beloved to be taken away from me by people, broken people in this world? What would your answer be? Well, the first thing we need to take into account there is that if God came into this world at every moment, just before an accident happens, just before a patient dies and rectifies the situation and the accident does, does not take place and the illness does not go further and the person does not die, then we would be in a situation described in the Bible as, as heaven or the life you're after. At the moment, we're not there. Again, uh, and uh, Lorenzo also mentioned uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is a chapter that tells us this world is broken and is like a pregnant woman waiting for the day of the birth. This world is waiting for the day when everything will be made to be perfect again. But we're not there at this moment. Lorenzo, your understanding? Yes, and also when we read in chapter, Ephesians chapter 6 where it's, it's like well, our fight is not against flesh and blood by, but against the principalities of darkness. And if Jesus is not in my heart and I'm not living according to his guidance of the Holy Spirit, 
then I'm going to live in a world and doing worldly things, and then I might be at risk of hurting people around me. So if I'm not living with Galatians 5.22 of the gifts of the Spirit of love and patience and endurance and kindness, and I'm living according to my own flesh, the people around me can get hurt. And the Lord said, if love is freedom, so if God is busy controlling us all the time and um, constantly is in control of people's lives and say, you have to do this and you must do this, that's not love. Love is the freedom of choice to obey Him. Love is the freedom to let the Holy Spirit guide us and do the right thing. It's because of the disobedience of people that other people get hurt. But it's not about what happens to me. It is about finding God in the trauma, in the traumatic things that I'm going through. Laurentia, I had somebody the other day that contacted me here at the radio station, a Christian person who said, I'm struggling with the reality of depression and it feels like God has forgotten me. Your response to that individual? Bernard? Yeah, uh, Bram? Uh, Bernard, um, yes, uh, feelings and even thoughts can be yes. very, very misleading. Yes. You know, if you go outside at 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night and you see that it's completely dark, you might think that there's not a sun. But at that very moment, while it's pitch dark, at this point where you are in South Africa, the sun is shining brightly in America and after that in Australia and then again later here. So when a person suffers of the illness of depression, they have a chemical imbalance and it, uh, it concerns their whole thought process and they do not see things as they really are. They, has a, they have a certain perspective and it's a twisted and taunted um, perspective on reality. So you can then not go by feeling, but then you need to rely on God's promises. I am there for you. Laurentia, is it always serotonin? Is it always physiological or is it, can it be psychological as well? It can definitely be psychological. If you look at the word, they say that the man is spirit, soul and body. Oh, hmm. If you look at your soul, it is what you think influences the way you feel and influences the way you're going to behave. And that's why the word says you have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew the way you're thinking. So a lot of times people's way of thinking is not right. And that causes them to feel depressed, anxious, um, alone. God's not there. But that does not mean. That's why I always rely on the word of the word is Emmanuel. That means he can't change his name. And his name is his identity. So he's there, even though on a soul level, I think he's not there. I feel he's not there. And that's why I behave as if he's not there. But on a spiritual level, the Holy Spirit is in us and with us. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to start anewing us our minds and know who is with God, he is Emmanuel, he is with us, he's surrounded us, he's inside of us, and that's where healing starts, is to realize that you can actually have a relationship with him, a conversation with him, and allowing him to start 
seeing things, hearing things, feeling things, because he actually gave us our senses to experience him, because he's the one and only true God. want to go back to that feelings are dangerous. read something on social media the other day, Brahm, where somebody posted the following statement that says, God's busy, go bother someone else. Your response? <laughs> um, yeah, Vaina, that's a very, very poor understanding of God, <laughs> who oh. can never be too busy um, to be concerned about us. And God is a human being. We don't have to make appointments. We don't have to wait our turn. Um, God is there, even when we're not aware of his presence. And I just wanted to also add, what Laurentia mentioned now can be read in Psalm 73. Psalm 73 is a wonderful psalm of this person battling with God because everyone else is um, successful and, and he suffers. And then he says at the point, he, was, he admits now that he sees the whole picture. He was irrational. And in the Afrikaans oh. translation he said, I was unredelijk and I had my so sedir tegen oor I gedraan. And then he saw his own lack of perspective. So when people say these things, all right, that's what they experience at that point. And we can't blame them for experiencing that, but it's not the truth, and it's not the whole picture. Interesting you mentioned the word uh, truth, because 99% truth is still a lie. And the fact is, things can go terribly wrong. How then do we make sense of things that go wrong, the reality of things that go wrong, it has been said that bad things happen to good people. I struggle to find that in the Bible, but things happen to Christians as well. Lorenzo, your take? Because of the reality of good and bad and evil and Satan's reality, we can't look past the bad things. And it's not because I did something wrong that bad things happened to me. But it's not, the focus is important. It's not about, what did I do wrong? Why did this happen to me? It is, the question must be the other way around. The question we need to ask ourselves is, Lord, show me how to grow through this. Because the Lord said, you actually have to thank Him. Sometimes we go through, like fire, we walk through fire, through difficult stuff. And it's not what happened to me. It's what I've learned out of this. How, what did I grow out of this? What it, what, there's almost like sometimes when we go through bad things, we experience a transformation and not focusing on what happened, but what's the outcome. And that brings healing to people. It, it actually can help them to give more significance in their lives. Like, let's for instance say I've been sexually abused. Then God uses me to help other people that have been sexually abused because who, who knows and understands better than the person that actually walked the walk? Losses. If you've lost a child, God sends you to families where they also lost a child because it's like, I know, I can talk, I understand. So it's not that we have to focus on what happened. It's about how I've worked through this, grown through this, and how I can serve others through this. I think that must be the main focus. Brom got a WhatsApp from a father in, uh, just around the corner from here, no names, no pagdrol, who says, my 28-year-old daughter were horrendously murdered. They poured out petrol on her, burned her body. Six years later, I've still not had a w- heard a word from the police. How do I make sense of these things? Reynant, the smooth answer would be to go to Romans, again, chapter 8, uh, where it says that God uses everything to good advantage. In Afrikaans, yeah. But let me be extremely honest. 
Sometimes people find the answers during their lifetime on earth, but very often that answer will not be found and that riddle will not be solved during this life. But we have the advantage that in the life hereafter, we will be able to see a new perspective. From um, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, um, you know, now we look into a mirror and, 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 and we don't understand exactly Partly. what we see. All right. um, so, yes, the, but like I said, the smooth answer would be God can use everything. But always hold on to the fact that God does not cause bad things because he can reach his goals without causing any bad things. But when bad things happen, God is not caught um, offside. In Afrikaans, God wordt nie onkant gevang dier krisis. Alright. Your message, seeing that you have the platform now, your message to church leaders, your church leader yourself, regarding a undistorted message of truth, what would that message be? To broken hearted people, poor, unemployed, people suffering with hardship, Christians out there that's, that's living life the hard way, what would that message be? Uh, to hold on to God as the God of love and the God of good and realize that the evil, the bad, the suffering is not caused by God and realizing yes. that Jesus Christ has already given himself, um, but he has been resurrected. So we can hold on to him and then hold on to his promise I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. So God is greater than life. He is greater than death. He is greater than anything we suffer or that opposes us. But we need to hold on to him as, in essence, the God of love. Lorenzo, being a psychologist, dealing with people who are scarred in the spirit uh, on a daily basis, or should I say in the soul then, uh, do you think that uh, church leaders preach an undistorted message of truth uh, in South Africa, in the world, watching the TV, TV evangelists? What would you say? I think if, if the church leaders is connected with God and they hear from God what the message God wants to give to the people, they will be in line. Because the main thing is, is God is love. God the Father showed his love through his son on the cross. And he paid the price. Die. The price the price has been paid. All sins are forgiven. And God stands with open arms and invites people to just walk into his arms, into his loving arms. He's a loving father. He's a good, good father. And he's a comforter. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our strengthener. He's our standby, our righteousness. And he just invites us and says, come move into us. And if, if our church leaders give the, the country that message, people will experience God's presence. They will experience his comfort. And we must just allow the Holy Spirit to move because he's on earth. He's working in people's hearts. And I also say to people, just sometimes you just need to trust your gut feeling because the Holy Spirit, God didn't make us to hear other people's voice clearer than we hear His voice. God speaks to every person and we must just be silent and hear His voice and just obey and move forward and be obedient. We will experience miracles. We will experience Him as the one true, living, good, good Father God. Bram, your message in closing to the weary one who says, I've got cancer. 
I've been praying with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength for God to heal me, to touch me. There's a church, a body that says, show me and I will believe. What will you say to them, Bram? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take Paul as the excellent example of someone who knew God very well, who trusted him completely and who had this battle with uh, what is called his thorn in the flesh And no one knows exactly what that was And I think it's very good that we don't know Because then we can identify With other forms of suffering And Paul like anyone else Asked God please take this away And God's answer in that instance was No But my grace will be enough My genade sal vir jou genoeg wees And the second part of the answer is not so well known In Afrikaans Wanneer jy swak is Kom my kracht Sterker in jou naar voren. So when we are at our weakest and suffering, then it's the time for God to move, not necessarily to heal us in a physical sense, but to be with us and eventually um, that we can know that even if, in, we always say, if the worst happens, if the worst happens, meaning a metaphor for if we die, then the worst did not happen because then we are still living and then with God. So it's not just a matter of fact, uh, a matter of believing in God, praying, and receiving the answer that we would so love to receive. There's a bigger, bigger picture. In closing, Lorenzo, your final words to our listeners. There's a world that like to blame God. In closing, your thoughts. After Brahm has spoken, I just thought of it that. We actually need to get to a stage where we can actually go to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender all, your perfect will. Because sometimes we've got our own ideas and our own pictures of we, what we want and how we want things to work out. And we feel disappointed and we have got so many questions and not always getting all the answers. But if we can all help each other to get to a stage where we actually walk to God and say, here's my husband Here's my wife, here's my children, here's my finances, here is everything. I just surrender it, like Abram with Isaac, and just put it on the altar and say, Lord, let your perfect will be done in our lives. I don't have the bigger picture, but I trust you with the bigger picture. I surrender all. I think life will just be much easier for us. Yes. But it's because we, we just want to be in control all the time. That makes life difficult. Bram, you have the final say? Valent, I'll close with a very simple but one of my favorite metaphors. If I have a little girl of about two and a half years old, and she's playing on this little jungle gym, and I'm standing right next to her, and the next moment her hands slip, and she falls, she's going to get up there, and she's going to do two things. The one is she's going to cry because she, she was hurt, but she might also shout at me, and show her finger, point her finger at me, and say, Dad... Why didn't you catch me? Why didn't you uh, help me not to get hurt? Someone looking from outside at that little girl might see a cheeky little girl and say, she needs to get a hiding. You don't talk to adults like that. But they don't know about the relationship between me and this girl. So when she is crying and shouting at me, why didn't you help me? I'm hearing a voice, a vote of confidence. She's saying, my father... I never realized that I could get hurt while you are so close to me. So it's a vote of confidence. I love you. I trust you. I'm disappointed because things didn't work out the way I thought 
they should. So many of these God falters are actually saying they, they expected more of him. It only means that they have a wrong picture of God. But the fact that they are still blaming God means that they actually expected more of him. So they believe in God. So, yeah, that's my final message. See that battle with God as a vote of confidence in God. With that, our sincere thanks to our respondents this morning. Thank you so much to Laurentia de Kock and also to Dominique Bram Klopper for sharing their hearts with us.